It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. I Man, I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak show. This is episode 20, and I'm going to take a page out of the counterpart show here on BGN Radio and call it the Brian Dawkins episode. Excuse me, the Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins episode. I am your host, Michael Kissed. You can follow my work for InsideThePylon.com. We just dropped our draft guide. It is awesome. Go get it. Well worth the money. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak, without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, bud? I'm doing very well, Mike. Happy 20th episode to you, Brian Dawkins Hall of Fame. I'm glad that we did take <laughs> that note out of the book of the Counterpart Podcast. If you haven't listened to the Counterpart Podcast at BGN Radio... Counterpart is a fantastic podcast with Jack Fritz. Uh, all the work that he does there with Counterpart is fantastic. You should go give it a listen for sure. That's a great part, Ben. That's a great part. Yeah, absolutely. Th- that's the opening part of our show. <laughs> oh, I lost it. All right, that was the opening part of our show. Moving into the meat and the potatoes, we alluded to this last week, Mike. We, I'm excited about this one. This is, I think, is a fun idea. This is not something that gets done a lot. We are talking about heirs apparent. We are talking about players, whether in the draft, maybe even guys who were drafted last year, you know, guys who've been on the on the roster, young players who could potentially be stepping into roles for Philadelphia, whether it's an aging veteran and he needs a, a long-term backup and a potential, you know, a young understudy to develop, whether it's a, a plug-and-play guy in a hole in Philadelphia's roster because somebody left him free agency. We want to be talking about players who are, uh, you know, could potentially be filling similar roles for Philadelphia, but instead of in 2018 and 2019, it's in 2020 and in 2021. I'm excited for this, man. Sounds like it's going to be good. Yeah, and we're going to go through position by position, offense through defense. The quarterback position, we just kind of left out because I feel that's kind of sacrilege. Foles is on the roster right now. I don't see us Mm -hmm. drafting a quarterback as it stands. We still have Nate Sudfeld, who is mysteriously loved by everyone in that coaching staff. We don't quite get it yet, but hopefully we will once preseason rolls around and it's all proven right. So we're going to move right along to running back. Of course, you know my guy, 
Darius Geis from LSU would be my heir apparent for Jay Ajayi. I've talked about Geis enough. We all, we all know the deal with him. We're going to move on to a Sproles replacement just in case Sproles isn't back. And for me, it's a guy that we actually brought on for an official visit. It is Rashad Penny from San Diego State. Hmm. What I like about Penny, he isn't pigeonholed into a certain scheme. He can run zone or gap. He shows good vision on both. Uh, there are times where he can be a little impatient, but when he's patient and sets up his runs, he's got the acceleration, the variety of ways to make guys miss once he gets to that second level. And as a returner, I really like his vision. And like Sproles, I think he can give you a playmaker returning punts and kicks if the Eagles choose to use him that way. Plus, the dude is very good as a receiving option. You can line him up out at wide receiver. There's a lot to like about Penny. I think our draft positioning would have to change if we were seriously targeting him. He seems like a late second round, maybe early third, mid-third type of guy. Uh, We do have Howie Roseman running the show. He brought him in for a visit for a reason. And through Howie, all things are possible. At at running back, do you have anybody in mind for the running back position, Ben? Yeah, if we're talking Sproles replacement, I like where you went with Penny. Because at first, I was like, you just picked... One of the worst pass catching backs in this draft to replace one of the better pass catching backs in the league. And you I'm stop confused. It. But the kick returner and punt return thing is a very good point. And Penny's a very dynamic returner. I'm going to go for another San Diego State Aztec, the man who preceded Danell. Oh, man, I gave it away now. The man who preceded Rashad Penny, who the <laughs> Eagles drafted in the fourth round last year, traded up to go get him, who is really the, uh, you know, kind of in this in a very similar mold to Sproles in his deployment on the offense. And that's Danell Pumphrey. Mike, as you know, I was very big on Danell Pumphrey last year. I know that Philadelphia fans are very, very wary of Pumphrey and rightfully so. When you when you went into a guy like Pumphrey's tape last year in 2016 or in the 2016 season into the 2017 draft, I should say, yeah, you 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 take a, a big pause because this young man played a sub 170, an incredibly small person. Yeah, I, you could categorize me as sub 170, and I have never once thought about playing a contact sport ever seriously in my young adult life. What I'm saying is, you need to be an aberration. You need to be an outlier in order to be successful at that weight. So we recognize that right away. I talk about the draft a lot as an appropriation of value. I'm not interested in outliers. I don't go chasing outliers. Philadelphia chose to. I loved Danell Pumphrey's tape. I loved him, but I wouldn't have gone chasing an outlier. They went and they drafted him and now you got to deal with it. But there are very, very good signs regarding Pumphrey being an outlier at his weight class. The biggest one being he is the most productive college runner ever. (laughs) Which, you know, if you're going to take a gamble on a guy who's small, him being the leading FBS rusher is a pretty, over the career, is a pretty good guy to take the gamble on, right? So he certainly has the ability to be productive. He has the vision. He has the foot quickness, incredibly agile, great flexibility throughout the frame. This is a guy, he's not going to make as many ridiculous tackle breaking sort of, you know, keeping his balance and driving forward plays that Sproles does because Sproles is such a thick guy. But Pumphrey can make people miss in space better than Sproles ever did. For Pumphrey, it's all about being able to maintain his agility at an increased play weight. And still, which he showed at San Diego State, the ability to enter contact safely, to know when to take on hits, to know when to drop down, to know when to give his body up. Because obviously, he's not going to be a guy who exchanges power in the hole, right? That's the reality. But Pumphrey, hamstring tear early in camp, full tear by the end of camp. Yes, Philadelphia absolutely burned him on IR. They certainly, you know, just 
washed away his rookie season because they had the freedom to do so. Sproles was still on the roster, but now that's Pumphrey's role for the taking. He is the presumed guy there coming into camp. He needs to have a strong second year, and I expect that he will. Disagree. And moving on to wide receiver, uh, we really uh, we brought Mike Wallace in. He is going to take over for Torrey Smith. We also have Mac Hollins in the building. He's the assumed heir apparent to that role long term. Uh, I'm just going to throw the name Cortland Sutton out there just because I, I really like the idea of having a Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey type dynamic at that position if they were to go Mike there at 32. Mike thinks we have 15 picks in the first 64 currently with the name. Mike thinks we have zero Let's immediate needs on a Super Bowl team. Would you just oh, strong disagree. <laughs> we have one immediate need which is offensive tackle, and we're going to get there in a second. But first, tight ends. So we have the Brent Selleck role, the run-blocking role to replace. We have the Trey Burton role, the pass-catching tight end role to replace. We could replace them both. We've talked about this before with Tyler Conklin out of Central Michigan as being being able to fill both of those. I like Durham Smythe. We've talked about him filling the Brent Selleck role. There are a couple other guys that could do it as well. Uh, we had this idea before, and I want to kind of elaborate this. And, and Ben, I know that you're kind of into this. Alan Lazard, the wide receiver out of hey. Iowa State, taking on the Trey Burton role because he's 227. He's 6'4. He's a, he's a big human being, and you could probably pack some more pounds on him, and he can do the stuff that we asked Burton. We didn't ask Burton to do a whole lot as a blocker. So having Lazard detached off the line, running routes basically like a tight end. I think it'd be a very good weapon to use in the offense. What do you think, Ben? I love that idea. And here's the thing about Alan Lazard. Mike, when I say good route runner, 95% of our minds immediately go to a guy who can separate. But we have to recognize when a player runs routes very well, despite the fact that he entirely lacks separation quickness. He just lacks the baseline quickness to separate against corners. So he can run a great route, get a corner turned around. But because he is slow, the corner just gets right back on him. And that's to me, is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is a great route runner, and you miss it because he's so freaking slow. Right. But you put him on a linebacker, and you put him on maybe a box safety who labors to change direction a little bit more, and now we've got ourselves a conversation. Lazard can't really separate. That's the reality. But he can generate throwing windows, right? Mm. Which which that's kind of like separation's little baby brother, and it's still a very valuable trait. You know, quarterback now has a, a hallway through which to get the ball to you. That is the baseline thing you need to do as a wide receiver. And then if you can separate so that when you catch it, nobody's immediately attacking the catch point or tackling you. That's also fantastic and is a huge skill as well. But creating that catching window is hugely important. I like that idea of Lazard. And and, and we've talked about this. Two birds with one stone. Eagles need wide receiver depth. You know, you can bet on Mac Hollins and Shelton Gibson to both develop. But, you know, they're not known commodities. It's nice to get another young body in there. And they also need tight end depth. So Lazard is a guy who makes sense. For me, we've talked about Blake Mack. Uh, Arkansas State. We've talked about a guy like uh, Ryan Yurichek out of Marshall. These are names that Tyler Conklin of Central Michigan, like you mm-hmm. said. One more for you is Jordan Akins mm. out of UCF. Now, this is a young man born in, in 1992. And by the time the draft rolls around, he will have turned 26. So very old, you know, maxed out frame. Not going to be a guy that you do much for in regards to his second contract. However, the Trey Burton role in Philadelphia was already not a second contract role. Nobody is better at a, at a move tight end spot, you know, a, a tight end to move tight end than Trey Burton. And we know this because Trey Burton just got massively paid for his low career production because of his right. traits, right? And so Philadelphia is not looking to dump money into that, into the second 
into a second contract at that position, then Aikens being 26 really shouldn't turn them off very much. Right. Right. Yeah. Besides that, good vertical tracker down the field, just like Burton, ability to catch outside of his frame. Aikens out of Central Florida, another good name to watch there. So let's move on to offensive tackle, and I'm going to let you plug your piece that you have up, your film piece first. And Tyrell Crosby is my guy. I think he's your guy, too. He's the guy that we mocked at 32 in our mock, mock draft podcast. Go check that episode out. Plug your film piece on Crosby for the gentle, gentle listeners, because that is excellent. Yeah, so if you are a patron of BGN Radio, which we would highly recommend you become if you're not, uh, then you have access behind the curtain, which is a a YouTube series we're doing on the official BGN Radio uh, YouTube channel where I'm watching film live. I'm not, you know, taking cut-ups and breaking it down and kind of just presenting to you six plays and talking about what's in there. That has some value, but a good part of scouting is figuring out what's not important and what's kind of an aberration and what's what's a what's a mess up and a mistake and kind of stuff that we don't usually look at and being able to sort out the wheat from the chaff and so i'm watching a, a tyrell crosby caught up against stanford for the first time i had not seen a stanford game i'd seen his other games previously and in doing so i'm kind of giving you guys a live perspective on what it is that i'm seeing and then breaking down the good and breaking down the bad as it comes and so if you're interested in learning more about how these tackles how these prospects are broken down if you want to understand more about the players in a very deep way and that way when we talk about them on here you have a bit more of a a better perspective i should say that i think that's an excellent resource and you're going to see more and more of those videos come through as we approach the draft mike my guy that i want to talk about we you know we talked about tyrell crosby big fan i think he's a candidate at 32 i think he's an even stronger candidate as a trade down that yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all because i think that like early 40s late 30s is probably the best spot for his skill level but you could push him up to 32 because of positional value if we're talking developmental guy not ready to start year one who has, you know, you don't want to compare a guy to, to Jason Peters. That's dumb. That's ridiculous. But when we talk about size and, and, and movement skills at a at, with a huge frame and ability to carry weight well with good flexibility, Will Richardson out of North Carolina State. He should have gone back to school. All right, let's make that very clear from the jump. This is a guy who he had it on. A, on a, he was a redshirt junior. Was still putting it together would lose to polished rushers in the ACC, but the physical traits are outstanding. The technique mm. needs some significant work. I think if you'd gone back to school, we'd be talking about him as a top five, top four tackle in next year's class, just based off of projecting development. It's, you know, it's gut feeling. But this is a player who I expect to have starting tackle level ability by year three, wherever he ends up. And so I very much like what Richardson looks like as a projected guy. If you're saying that the Eagles have at least one good year of Jason Peters left, and then they're going to be moving on from him, I know I'm not sold with Big V as the potential replacement there. I know that that you aren't as well, and I don't Mm -hmm. think they are in the building also. I know he's had to play for them, and he's done well for them, but I do not think they drafted a guy in the fifth round who did not have great TCU tape. It it was not like it was good, but it wasn't what I would call great developmental tape. I still think they'd like to bring in a higher value of a draft pick. I think Richardson is a guy that you can get in round three, to build up and to get him ready, primed to start 2019-2020. So that's my name at offensive tackle. You could also say Joe Noteboom from TCU, who's excited if you want to draft Halapuli Vati Vaitai again and go through that whole debacle. Anyway, moving on to offensive guard, uh, Skylar Phillips from Idaho State out of the Big Sky Conference, Big Sky Fly High, would be my Steve Wisniewski long-term solution there. However, so he played both guard and center for the Bengals, Ben, do you see Skylar Phillips as a center or a guard, or do you think he can do both? Like, what's his best fit for you? Do you have one? I think his best fit's at guard. 
I think mm. interior versatility is always great, and that's very exciting. Yeah. If you're the top lineman at a place like Idaho State and you're not playing center, which kind of like the keystone of the offensive line obviously guard is very important and, and i haven't seen a lot of skyler phillips tapes so if they're moving that guard a lot then you should put them there makes sense but snapping is a thing like that's kind of a big deal and if he's if he's much more comfortable guard he's natural guard that's where he's getting my first look okay i got you okay uh also man a name that he is starting to get some buzz austin corbett out of nevada there are rumors out there that teams like him better than Will Hernandez, uh, that Hernandez is getting a little gassed up when really it's Corbett that's the sought after commodity on the interior. And I'm looking at Ben's face and he is turning like beet red. But real quick, when you watch Corbett, there is a lot to like. Me, both me and Ben like Corbett. It's not, it's not anything like that. He's scheme diverse. Shows good leverage, strong punch, football intelligence. It's hard to find something about him to nitpick. So maybe the rumors are true, Ben. I could I could see it in your face. You're hating this. What do you think? No, I'll put I'll put it to you this way. I can absolute I can name for you five teams that would have Corbett above Will Hernandez on their boards because they don't run anything power scheme. They run exclusively zone scheme stuff. There it and is. And bringing in Will <laughs> Hernandez doesn't make as much sense. Like I, you could very easily convince me that Corbett and and Hernandez should be within ten eight spots of each other on a right. big board, and I'd be like, okay, sure, sounds good. For me, they're about like thirty apart, something like that. But if you want to put them that close, you really value versatility, and mobility. That's fine. To me, I will take the five reps Hernandez kind of loses over a year because he's in space to watch him kill people for 16 games. For and sure. and we talk about finishing on the offensive line and how valuable that is, right? And it gets gassed and people talk about it in different ways and some people undervalue it. The fact of the matter, Corbett and Hernandez are both nasty finishers. Corbett hates people. That's very clear from his tape. He has a snatch and trap that is just disrespectful oh, to you and your mama. <laughs> but Will Hernandez brings a different level. He, to me, Will Hernandez is a culture guy. Will Hernandez, they're, they're, you, I don't give the title to a lot of players, but Hernandez very much strikes me as a guy who he comes in, he joins your offensive line, and you know maybe not as a rookie, but by the time he's an established player on your offensive line, he changes the nature of your offensive line. He changes the nature of your offense. He changes the nature of your team. He is a culture guy. I think that's incredibly valuable. I would expect that uh, you have a power team that needs a guard. You have a, a zone team that needs a guard. Hernandez gets picked before Corbett, but I can understand why some teams will have Corbett ahead. If we go all the way inside to center now, Philadelphia does have to have a bit of a conversation, in my opinion, about Jason Kelsey. And, and a name to throw out there real quick. I'm going to throw it at you. Shot out of a cannon. James Daniels from Iowa. If he's there at 32, no, is he an he's option? Mine. He's mine. That was my, that was my, my spiel, my, my bit. Oh, was it? We had the same pick? Look at that. Yes, we both like James Daniels, man. Far now, away. James Daniels. The Eagles brought James Daniels in for a visit. And when I watch James Daniels tape at Iowa, it's tricky because Iowa runs so much more so in the box. And Philadelphia did a great job J- getting Jason Kelsey outside of the box. Correct. Because you're Jason Kelsey's he's strength when he's on the hoof, obviously. Right. But James Daniels' strength also when he's on the hoof. And when you saw Daniels with the opportunity to play in space – Jiminy Christmas, if that wasn't a young Jason Kelsey, I don't know what was, right? And and I think that that's a very realistic take. And also, James Daniels, the biggest issue that you have with him is pass protecting in a box, right? Just, Just, you know, within his cylinder. And teams were able to challenge him with a lot of mass on the inside. And when Philadelphia was upset with Jason Kelsey, 
however many years ago that was, right? You know, like the couple seasons past when it was on move off from Kelsey, it was because he was really struggling in pass protection against power. It's a very, very similar sort of a player. I think James Daniels, his ceiling is Kelsey. I don't think he'll ever get up there, but it's a very similar style of play. And so if they want to go and get that Kelsey replacement for the future, if they want to shore up the interior offensive line, James Daniels does make a ton of sense as a Kelsey replacement. You do have to spend probably a trade down an early second to go get him. But it's a really nice fit. They're very similar players. Yeah, and Billy Price from Ohio State, the other interior lineman that's going to be competing with him for the top center look, tearing his pec or partially tearing his pec at the combine, doing the bench press, might elevate James Daniels' stock a little bit more too. So that hurts our chances at 32. Moving on to inside defensive line, we are stacked there. We don't necessarily need an air apparent. I'll throw one name out there, R.J. McIntosh from Miami. I think he fits the downhill, penetrating, one-gapping style. Uh, he's got a huge wingspan that I wish he would Bona. use more. But if you put on the tape of the Notre Dame game and tell me, tell me there's something there that you can't work with because there are words. His pad level is is bad, for example. A lot of the times he needs to play a little bit stronger and he needs to use his hands better. But this is a guy that you can work into your pass rushing rotation early in his career while you refine the rest of his tools. And interior guys that can get after the quarterback aren't easy to find. Ben, do you have anybody for interior defensive line? Puna. Puna Ford. Bring me Puna. Bring me Puna. <laughs> do it. Listen, there's no reason. Puna. There's no reason to draft Puna Ford. There's none. <laughs> but it would be so much fun. Okay, Puna Ford for y'all who don't know is this tiny little defensive tackle who played nose tackle for Texas, which was silly, but he's super explosive off the line, has great snap anticipation, knows how to leverage his hands, good uh, initial pad level, good natural leverage because he's such a short guy, and then he's probably a top 10 motor in this class. Just silly. Just runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. It's awesome. So Puna is a guy who doesn't, I think with what you have with Elijah Qualls, with what you have with Destiny Veo, you don't so much need a Puna Ford. You don't so much need a penetrator. If you want Elijah Qualls to become your Bo Allen space eater, then maybe mm. you want another penetrator. Puna Ford makes a lot of sense as a guy who can give you great pass rush on that second team. So that's that's yeah. a good thing. If you do want to get, I don't know, a little bit bigger uh, and you want to bring in a guy who has that mass, you know, maybe a Bo Allen sort of a guy, second team guy who's a space eater, Lolo Tulele out of Utah had a great 2016, totally fell off in 2017. Don't yeah. know why. Would love to get uh, info on, from the program to understand why. But just motor fell down. Effort wasn't great. Technique went down, uh, off the chain. You know, it was just lazy play. You wonder if you can get him back to 2016. And a great way to do that would be to bring him into a Super Bowl winning locker room. And say, mm. listen, if you can't get excited to play football here, you can't get excited to play football anywhere. So that's a space eater name for you. But bring me Puna. I'll go nuts. It'll be a dumb luxury pick, but it would be great. All right. So moving on to edge, a similar situation where we're pretty doggone deep right now. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out a name out there. Chad Thomas from Miami. Another guy from Miami. I really like the idea of Thomas coming from a wide alignment. Uh, he's a little clueless with how to set up rushes, but he has a couple of moves. Off the club, he's got the rip, the swim. He can work with those, but really you want him on early downs anyway against the run. I like him as a developmental guy that'll be solid against solid enough against the run that you can put him in there on earlier earlier downs while you develop the rest of his skill set. Do you have anybody at edge that you're targeting like probably later on for the Eagles? Yeah, I do. Tyquan Lewis out of Ohio mm. State. Mm-hmm. We're talking a guy who can kick inside. 
on passing downs, which is already a great start because we know Philadelphia very much covets this. But then we're talking about a guy who, when he wins, wins with length. We're talking about a guy who has the ability to take a two-way go because he has good initial snap explosiveness. And this is uh, Assistant Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, Joe Marino, comped him to Vinny Curry for some of these skills. Hmm. He's bigger than Curry really played at. He plays at... At 275, I think Lewis does. He tried to come in lighter at the combine, but he played a little bit heavier than I think Curry did. Remember, Curry was a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker at one point. Mm. You know, obviously that was when Billy Davis was ravaging good football players by ruining them. But I don't want to talk. I can't get into that right now. I hate Billy Davis. Sorry. But Taekwon Lewis has some parallels to Vinny Curry. So we're talking about errors of parents. You want to uh, bring in a guy who can maybe give you that sort of really explosive disruptive ability from the edge and then mm-hmm. some strength inside, which Curry can never really give you. But Philadelphia does covet. Taekwon Lewis is a fun name out of Ohio State. So that one stuck out to me. Linebackers. Let's see. Who, who are we trying to replace here? You know, I want Fred Warner either way to replace either one of them. So that's like one spot taken care you're of. You're not putting Fred Warner at Mike. No, you're not. No, I know. I know I'm not. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. So, all right. Talk about Fred Warner for Michael Kendricks, and then I'll give you my Jordan Hicks replacement of Mike. Yeah, we've talked about my love for Fred Warner a lot. Ben accused me of pushing him up my board because I was I was first on him, according to him. You're never first on anybody, though. That's not the way that this works. Someone will always have been there earlier, especially the USC fans that wanted him at USC. They didn't have a role for him. That's why he ended up at BYU. He's your modern-day linebacker. He can cover. He played a lot of that overhang, apex position, whatever you want to call it, where he's not necessarily in the core of the formation. He's more towards the slot. He's covering tight ends. He's doing that kind of stuff. You might have to retrain his eyes a little bit for his run fits because he's used to playing outside of the box like that. But as far as a guy with range, uh, some competitive toughness, some coverage ability, and a surprising ability for his uh, the athletic profile. Typically, you get those coverage linebackers that can't stack and shed. He's decent at it. It's not his best trait, but he does it well enough, and I think it's translatable to the next level. Ben, linebacker, who you got? I know it's not, I know it's not better than Fred Warner unless you go on unless you go on first round, unless you go on Rashawn Evans or right. something like that. The only, the only, the only, yeah, the only first round linebacker that I would like who I think can play Mike is Rashawn Evans and even right, then I think I'd like him better at Sam the kid out of Alabama yeah. uh, and Eagles don't need a Sam anymore because they re-signed Nigel Bradham which is just dumb awesome <laughs> such great news I was Beautiful. positive we were gonna have to be dealing with linebacker talk for the next month and they just yep. re-signed Bradham which is awesome so uh, we're talking about Jordan Hicks excellent instinctual player good dropping into coverage uh, excellent mind, excellent read and react sort of abilities, just a really sound player. The injury history has always kept up with him. The injury history has always kept him from reaching his full potential. It's what made him a less productive player at Texas, which did push him, push him down to the third round for Philadelphia. I would love to draft a healthy middle linebacker, but that's going to cost too much. So I'm going to give you two unhealthy middle linebackers who are similarly great players who Philadelphia can bring them on and maybe get Jordan Hicks level production and also Jordan Hicks level inconsistency without paying the big money when Hicks contract ends in 2019. Number one is Evans running me in Alabama. That's Sean Dion Hamilton. When I compare him to Jordan Hicks, I see a similar ability to recognize. I see a similar ability to key and close really sound player between the ears. I think Sean Dion Hamilton is probably a better coverage player than Hicks was coming out of Texas and would be in the NFL. I also think that he's probably a little bit worse shooting gaps and taking on blocks. I think Hicks has really nice play strength, whereas Sean Dean Hamilton loves to 
He loves to shoot. He loves to fire, right? But when it comes to stacking and shedding and working through traffic, that's not necessarily his strength. And at middle linebacker, you do have to do that, especially in a 4-3, one-gapping, very attacking scheme uh, that Jim Schwartz runs. The other guy, I think, is the more interesting one. I think he's there in the fourth round, and I think it's worthy of, of a conversation. Jack Sitchie out of Wisconsin. Mm. This is a young man. Patellar tendon tear in 2016 ended a breakout season. 2017 season never began because of an ACL tear. So we haven't seen tape from him Mm. since two thirds of the way through the 2016 season. Now he went out at his pro day at Wisconsin, put up great numbers, put up great numbers in the three cone, put up great numbers in the short shuttle, things that are really supposed to test your knee flexibility, which speaks well to that ACL situation. It also is worth noting, Sitchi walked onto Wisconsin very light, around 210 if memory serves, played up around 240. When you add that much mass to your frame, you do invite injury, I think, especially if you live yeah. in the weight room. There's, there's a conversation to be had there, but that would require a lot more talking with the Wisconsin team doctors and the training staff there and everything. But that's certainly something you want to uncover from a playing perspective. Uh, excellent coverage player. Excellent blitzer, Jack Sitchi, still figuring out how to key really well so he's not on jordan hicks's level yet but you see flashes where he sees it quick and hits it quick i think that he's a he's a three down middle linebacker in the nfl assuming he's healthy that's what jordan hicks is and so i think that that's if you don't want to pay the big money for jordan hicks and you want to bring in a similar guy jack said would be my target but also good mention to sean Dion hamilton he's a good name to know as well yes yeah, you would have gotten so much hype during the season if he was healthy okay Moving on to cornerback, we have Mike Hughes. We brought him in for a visit, and he looks like a potential Patrick Robinson replacement. What we're going to do on a show later this week is we are going to talk about in depth all of these official visits that we are bringing in. So we're going to kind of table that discussion with Mike Hughes right now. Uh, A couple of guys that I really like for that spot. There's Duke Dawson from Florida and also a guy that we haven't brought in. Uh, you talk about North Carolina, MJ Stewart, who isn't the most aggressive yeah. guy. He's going to keep things in front, but he is sticky, really sticky. He answered some questions about his long speed at the combine. He ran well enough to where it shouldn't be a concern. Not going to be the most dynamic guy, but he is just really uh, freaking reliable. Ben, anybody that you're eyeing for that nickel corner? Because right now it looks like that they want to kick Jalen Mills inside as they have Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby on the outside. Mm-hmm. Both me and you aren't the biggest Mills fan, uh, I think, especially right. in the slot. They may try it. However, I do think if they wanted to upgrade that position, they could certainly do so at 32. Is there anybody there or are you looking later on more of a developmental guy? No, I think that the best route for Philadelphia's needs and their draft capital and their current roster is Mills to the inside because – and this is the first time we've been able to say this since 2004. The Eagles have a strength at cornerback. What? <laughs> Uh, so what do we do with that? We don't even know. We have no idea how to handle it. But I think moving Jalen Mills to the inside is what makes the most sense. And so Jalen Mills to the slot is what I like. If you want to go find yourself a Patrick Robinson in this draft, I think you could have a conversation about Nick Nelson out of Wisconsin. I see a similar ability 
to play, play up at the line of scrimmage, but probably a little bit more comfortable as a guy who's playing an off-man coverage. Nelson tends mm-hmm. to get a little bit grabby. Patrick Robinson tends to get a little bit grabby uh, at, at the route break, you know, through the stem. So I think that that's a really good comparison. And then the other kid out of Virginia Tech, Greg Stroman, is a guy who I really like as a nickel corner. Oh, I, I think that he's a de- he's a developmental guy. You probably would, you can get him a little bit later than Nelson. I think Nelson's a round four player. I think Stroman's close to a round five, round six player. And he's a guy who you've got to you give him some significant work in terms of how he addresses players in the contact window and how he disrupts routes because right now he's just kind of a, a mirror and close from an off or a zone alignment sort of a player and uh, and so you do need to give him work as far as dealing with NFL frames he is a little bit smallish 5'11 182 but he does give you excellent mirror quickness and good ball skills and so I think that he's a he's a guy who could become a slot corner if you're talking about guys that are later in the draft. Those are two names that I think are good. All right, so moving on to safety, there are two roles here. Malcolm Jenkins right. is getting a little bit long in a tooth. He plays a lot of the box stuff for us, comes down, played a lot of linebacker for us last year because of our situation. So we need somebody that can come down and, and run support, also that can cover tight ends. And then you look at the free safety position, we're probably moving on from Rodney McLeod in the next couple of years. I think he may have been the one that was rumored about a trade, but it wouldn't have saved us any money this year. I know Darby was another guy that they were talking about, but I don't think right. they're looking to bring McLeod back to finish out that contract. They're going to move on from him at some point. As far as the Jenkins roles go, I think Ronnie Harrison from Alabama would be a really good fit there. I like his physical style. I think he can be really good closer to the line with him. He can play some back-end single-high stuff. That's not where he's not going to make his money at the next level, though. So Ronnie Harrison, capable of covering tight ends, capable of coming in in that run support, being a secure tackler. And then the guy that we talked about during the pre-combine show, the combine snub from Hawaii, Trayvon Henderson. I think he's got the ability to do both single high and in the box, but I really like him from single high. I like the way that he processes things. I think his range is good. I think he's very smart at seeing the route combinations develop in front of him and be just a really responsible guy in coverage as well. So Trayvon Henderson is a guy that for me is a sleeper. We went to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and I think especially on day three, I thought you could make the argument that he was one of the best man cover safeties there during those practices. So I really like Trayvon Henderson. Ben, what you got? Yeah, you could make the argument. You'd be wrong because the best man cover safety there was Jeremy Reeves out of South Alabama. And that's oh, he was going to be Malcolm Jenkins for me. Yeah. So when you talk about replacing Malcolm Jenkins, you're talking about two different players because you have the Malcolm Jenkins who plays split safety and has excellent instincts and good zone overlapping abilities from a high position and is a ball hawk, which he doesn't do as much anymore because he's being Malcolm Jenkins 2.0, which is strong side linebacker slash slot corner slash overhang, which had some to do with injuries. You know, obviously it has to do with Jordan Hicks going down and Nigel Bata moving inside. But also, it works in today's NFL very well. It gives the Eagles a lot of ability to match up with tight ends. And so we know Jenkins basically was a linebacker for the plurality of his snaps last year. And so we have to talk about two different roles when we talk about replacing Jenkins because we don't really know where the team's going to go with how they continue to deploy him moving forward. If he is a more traditional safety, then Jeremy Reeves is the guy. Reeves, incredible versatility. Reactionary quickness at the top of the route stems is great. Excellent instincts. Closes exceptionally well. Knows how to play the ball. It's very exciting. Contact tackling, not great. And so you do worry a little bit. You know, Jenkins is primarily a tight end. 
matchup sort of a guy. Reeves, he doesn't deal with size as well. Maybe you could talk me into a, into a Kaiser White making a little bit more sense in that regard. But I do think Jeremy Reeves is a really strong option there. Now, if we're talking about replacing Jenkins, the linebacker, the, the guy who, who fills, the guy who plays downhill, who's about six yards off the ball. I'm really digging Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt. I like this idea. It's my idea. I don't think anybody in the Eagles organization have it. I don't care. I'm going to talk about it. Oren Burks was a safety for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had no good linebackers, so they moved him to linebacker, even though he was like 220 pounds or something stupid. And he couldn't play linebacker. He had no idea what he was doing, but he's insanely athletic. Jumps through the roof. Excellent agility scores if you're rating him as a linebacker. And so Jenkins, who plays like a linebacker but two steps off the ball, that's a great situation for Burks because he doesn't have to key nearly as quickly. He doesn't have to deal with contact nearly as much because he's playing consistently on the edge. And, and that's the perfect situation for him. I think you can get Burks late on day three, round six, and, and bring him in, and he's immediately your backup there. The Eagles do have Nate Gary out of Nebraska, sixth round pick last year. They would like him to be that player that Malcolm Jenkins back up in that overhang role but if Burks is there he's a better athlete than Gary was Gary was not able to crack the roster last year he was practice squad and then eventually called up so we'll see but I think if you are replacing Jake as the linebacker Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt is a fun name to talk about love it love it love it Ben last position punter I'm not I'm not going to disrespect kicker I know you love Jake Elliott I'm not going to bring that we don't oh, need yes. to have an heir apparent there Jake Elliott is the heir apparent he is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. <laughs> Punter with Donnie Jones retiring. We do have Cameron Johnson in the building. If we wanted to spend round seven, pick 32 on Michael Dixon from Texas, the best punter in college football, would not be opposed. Would not. Everybody's freaking out about signing Marquette Top King, which I, I'm also all for, but... Uh, he could also be the heir apparent, but I like Michael Dixon out of Texas. Ben, you got any hot punter takes? He's, he's, uh, Michael Dixon, top 15 player in this class. No, sign Marquette King. Sign Marquette <laughs> King. Do all of the shenanigans. Be all of the sillies. Be the most ridiculous, lighthearted, carefree, silly team that also wins Super Bowls and rub it in everybody's face. Sign Marquette King. Boom. That's what you do at the punter position. And that's going to do it for today's show. Ben, let the gentle, gentle listeners know what we have on tap for the rest of the week. Howdy, gentle listeners. Thank you so much for stopping by, as always, to the Kissed and Solak show. I have been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K, that's been Michael Kissed NFL, on Twitter, at Michael Kissed NFL. We do appreciate you listening to all the BGN radio shows, including Counterpart, which is a great show. Coming up for the rest of the week, we are in draft month, people. It is in our sights, and so we'd like to bring on some more guests for you guys. That'll be coming during the week, especially because I may be stepping away. I know you guys just celebrated a wonderful Easter if you were on the Western calendar, and uh, many happy returns and a happy holiday to you. I'm on the Eastern calendar, uh, and so my Pascha, my Easter is coming up this Sunday. So I've got a lot of church going on. So I may be stepping off for one of the late shows, but Mike will be able to bring on a guest and we'll be able to talk a lot more Eagles draft as we get ready. Of course, keep your eye out on the YouTube channel. If you are a patron subscriber, Behind the Curtain is ramping up. We're posting a lot of new videos on a lot of the prospects that we've been currently discussing. 
you need to be a patient subscriber to access them though i'm afraid so please do consider you get a ton of good bonuses and if you don't know anything about being a patient subscriber and going through patreon with bgn radio you can go to on twitter at bgn underscore radio and in the bio there's a link to the patreon page where you get a breakdown of everything every bonus that you get depending on to which level of a patron you are we would hope that, that you consider that as we continue to give you guys more and more new and fresh content. But that'll just about do it for us here, man. I'm excited for the week. We all we got, we all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. Fly.